Continuing on our series on the Rural Pastor Podcast about personal renewal, this week we talk about restoration. Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast with your host, Andy Addis, and special guest, Mark Clifton. We plant the seeds in the ground, though the fields have long been brown. But Lord, when will your harvest come in? I'm giving all I've got to give. In the place where I've been sent But will my labor make much difference in the end? Will no one ever know? Sometimes I feel so all alone Like the prophet Jeremiah You may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope to that church on the corner of that forgotten little town to a room of empty peers where his love can still be found you may never know of all the seeds you sow but it just takes one willing soul to make him My name is Andy Addis, and I am with you as part of the Rural Pastor Podcast, where we want to pour into, partner with, and pat on the back the Rural Pastor, because what you're doing is so important. And I'm here with Mark Clifton, uh, legend, man of men, and uh, restorer of the restorable. We are so glad that you're here. (laughs) And yeah, this is our second episode live from my wife's sewing room because that's where the computer is and it's also got the worst acoustics of any room in our house so you're just going to have to deal with it you know i i do another podcast i thought i'd just drop that here yeah do that um we started revitalize and replant uh, without tom rayner uh is another story there is is that the subtitle of the podcast that's (laughs) the subtitle without tom rayner Well, you know, he's getting old and he had to be back at the home by four every afternoon. So it got a little, got a little difficult trying to do that, but, um, <laughs> no, seriously, we, we, he, he's a good he, friend. He's a good friend. He gave us, he gave us the podcast. So, uh, but the, one of the guys that, that one of my co-host is Dan Hurst. We grew up together and done ministry together, planted churches together, but Dan is a world-class, uh, voiceover talent. I mean, mm, he, he yeah. won what's, what's equivalent to an Oscar. He won that this year for the best movie trailer in the industry. In the wow. industry. He does movie trailers. But he, wherever he travels, he still does his work. And so I asked him, I said, how do you, how do you get that good sound? I, you know, because he had these national commercials for national companies, and he's in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he said, I don't do it in my hotel room. I said, where do you do it? He said, I do it in the rental car. He said, car has great, great uh, acoustics. I take my equipment. I, I sat in the car. I put some pillows around the windows. It's perfect. Isn't that amazing? That's a, a, that? a rolling so I sound booth. This, I should. I roll. So I should. I should take this out to my car. It probably sound a lot better. But anyway, <laughs> hey everybody, glad to be with you. Thank you, Andy, for having me on the podcast. Look forward to talking to everybody about real work and and concluding, kind of wrapping up, or still moving. On, on Psalm that we've been looking at for several weeks now. Yeah, and as we get ready to jump into this, let me just say, did did you notice that our name got mentioned? The, the Rural Pastor Podcast got named in a national magazine. Home Life focused that. on us. You well, know, Home actually, Life magazine. Yeah, and was, you got to understand it. I grew up. My dad was a pastor. Mm-hmm. Every single night, whether I wanted to or not, 
we had family devotions and every single night we would sit in the living room and my dad would read the home life magazine and he would read the, the scripture for the day. He would read the story and then we would pray for the missionaries. So when I found out that our podcast was mentioned in home life magazine, <laughs> first of all, I was glad it was still out there to be frank about it. <laughs> but secondly, that's pretty cool. It oh, was. And it was an home article life was put out by Lifeway. That's right. And it was an article written uh, about chosen road who did our theme song. And they were so kind enough. They went, they went on and on about their relationship with you and replant team. And then there was just this line that they sent it they sent me a picture of, uh, the, the double page spread and they highlighted the rural pastor podcast. I'm like, we have arrived because <laughs> we were what actually, if, if you want to do, if you want, if you want a guide to do family worship with your family, I know I was kind of kidding about yeah. that, but, but seriously, we did it every single evening, uh, before we'd go to bed and it would give you the scripture. It gives you some good stories and missionaries to pray for home life magazine, uh, printed by Lifeway. It's been out there for probably 60 or 70 years, something like that. And the reason it's still there is because it's still content driven and still good and still a great resource. So we exactly. I just really glad to be in that one to celebrate that with us. Well, Mark had already right. alluded, we're continuing to go through a series here at the Rural Pastor Podcast on personal renewal, going through the, the, the response of David to Nathan confronting him about his sin in Psalm 51. Uh, here we are at the third door. We've talked about uh, reliance and remembering, and now we're going to talk about the concept in Psalm 51, 7 through 12 of restoration. So just for fun, if you got to restore any car that you wanted to restore, what would it be, Mark? It would be a 1977 Love LUV pickup, light utility vehicle pickup. That was really? my first real car. My, my dad gave me an old 70 Buick Skylark and that was pretty cool. But my first real car was a, was a, it was 1977. I got, I got a new one, believe it or not. My, that's a long story, but anyway, a little love pickup back then Chevrolet uh, was, I think they were importing um, Zuzu's I think is what it was. I'm not sure. And they put their badge on it and mm. it was called love like utility vehicle, a little tiny pickup. It was bright blue, had blue interior. It didn't have any carpet in it, so I remember I went and bought some shag carpet and glued shag carpet to the floor of my truck, and I put a little under-dash cassette player, you know, yes. and I had the little speakers, and yes. I, I remember the first song I ever played in that was my CD, my was my cassette of Nazareth and Love Hurts, so every time I hear Nazareth Love and Hurts. Love Hurts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think of night. I'm king of the road, man, in my 1977 light blue love. So I've been online, and there are some people who actually restore those little things, but they were so cheaply made. There's not very many of them left. So if anybody out there has a love pickup from 1977, hit me up. I'm, I'm your man. I'd like to restore that thing. All right? well, there you go. You know, people joke about the fact that uh, I'm going to grow up and be you someday, Mark, and this is going to prove it once again. <laughs> G guess what I would want to – it, it was not my first car, but it was my favorite car while I was still living at home, a 1977 Mustang II, and it was turquoise go. blue. <laughs> That's so funny. It was a two-door – cool steering wheel, did Yeah, the one with the cool holes, the, like the race – yep, yep. Yes, and, and a four-cylinder engine, but a racing steering wheel. It, it, well, and actually, the reason I love mine is somebody had swapped out that with a six-cylinder, uh, a V, and literally, I could drop that. It was a standard, and I could drop that thing into neutral and rev the engine, and it would rock the car. Oh, I just loved oh, it. Oh, that's cool. And so, it, it had the back... Uh, was it a fast back, or was it the fast... 
Was it the fast? Yep, and I had the black louvers on it. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Oh my gosh, you had you had the nineteen seventy louvers. Yes, I I did. About those. And my song, because we put an audio vox sound system in it. My song was "Jump" by Van Halen. Oh, when I hear that song, I'm back in that driving around. Younger than me. Yeah, I was driving around Great Bend, Kansas. Mine was, and and my my underdash was realistic from Radio (laughs) Shack. Which sounded anything but realistic, if I remember right. Exactly. But love hurts. Love hurts. That's so funny. Now when I hear that, I'm going to think of you, and that's going to be the strangest audible connection I've ever had. Anyway, uh, let's get into, talk about restoration. Part of the process of personal renewal is the the joy of restoration. So let me continue on. We've If you've missed the first couple of these, go ahead and go back and listen. Uh, we'll wait. Okay, here we go. Uh, We're going to start in verse 7 and uh, go through verse 12. Here it is. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness, and let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Now, obviously, we could take weeks. As preachers, we could take weeks to go over these verses and have more and more content. But as we just look at the concept of restoration, um, I have four major things I want to cover. And the first one is this. He will forgive. If you don't get anything out of this, no. let's just remember what David did. I mean, David didn't skip a Sabbath. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, David wasn't being confronted because he, right. he missed uh, a payment uh, to the IRS. He's being confronted for lying, conspiracy, murder, adultery. I mean, all the bit. You start checking off the boxes. And yet yep. verses yep. 7 through 9 are all about the fact that God will forgive. And, uh, and forgiveness, I think, is amazing because forgiveness for you and I as a parent, we, we try and forgive kids, you know, because they, they do something stupid and you forgive them. But we must always remember that if they break something and we forgive them, we still have to pay for it. And forgiveness always comes with a price. And he says, what at the beginning of this, purge me with hyssop. And what a reflection that was to the hyssop branch that was painting the the archways of the doors before the first Passover, the hyssop branch that uh, that took the drink up to Christ. And it was it, it's a picture back to the fact that you can be forgiven, but that forgiveness comes from God at a price that he was willing to pay. And there has to be incredible joy, no matter what. I, I, and, and, this is really hard, Mark. We're going to talk to some pastors who have some secret sins. We're talking to some pastors who are dealing with some weight, some things that they've covered. And this is not... Anything short of one thing, you need to get out from under that by the grace of God and the fact that he is saying that he wants to forgive you. So is that a good starting place for us, Mark? It's a great starting place. And let me uh, let me share an, a, an illustration that I heard some time ago. And man, I've grown up in church. and never heard this before. And it just, it changed everything about the way I see forgiveness. Mm. You know, we used to say that like forgiveness is, you know, you've got all these sins on your whiteboard and you repent. And, uh, you know, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So it's like God just wipes that whiteboard clean. Nope. That's not what happens. Hmm. God takes that whiteboard filled with your sins and he utterly destroys it 
and he brings in a brand new one that's never had sin on it. <laughs> and so when he looks at you, he doesn't look at someone who's had his sins wiped away because of what Christ has done. He looks at someone who has never sinned at all in that regard. That's It's just amazing to think about that. And it's hard for us to see ourselves in that light. But, but Jesus was so perfect in his in his redemptive work that it doesn't just wipe our slate clean. It gives us a whole new slate as though we've never sinned that sin. Isn't that amazing? It's beyond amazing. All right, let me take a stab at that because I, I have an illustration as well that, because I think this is worthy of getting some mental pictures over. So that whiteboard, it's just, it's perfect. Uh, I remember going out to, do you remember when you used to debate as to whether you're going to go out to eat based on the fact of whether or not your children were going to be animals or not that night? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. How so, are they going to behave? Exactly. So yes. we went to this restaurant to us. It was a fancy restaurant cause they had, uh, they had cloth napkins, right? So we went to this steakhouse and, <laughs> and we're sitting there with our cloth napkins and feeling pretty good. And one of my boys reaches out and spills a, a 12 ounce glass of pop and it just poof, ice everywhere under the appetizer. And you have to jump up cause it's dripping out on your pants and you're trying not to freak out and be like, just calm down. Come he said, I'm so sorry. And he starts taking napkins and, and, and his brother goes into soon. They start taking napkins and they're just pushing ice cubes around and, and the mess is getting bigger. And while they do it, boom, hit another glass. A second glass goes down. And it's just, it's just this nightmare. Now we have the Red Sea that has to be parted before we can eat the rest of dinner. <laughs> and both boys are absolutely, they're like, we're oh, so sorry, dad, blah, blah. And a waitress comes over and she looks at us. She goes, just stop it. And we all stop. She goes, go over there. And she points at another table that's already set up. <laughs> It's clean. Yeah, yeah, and she goes, yeah. I'll take care of this. You guys go over there. And we yeah. moved our party over to the other table. And we could see at a distance as she and two others cleared it all off and, and got it ready. And we sat at a brand new table. And I remember my boys looking at me and going, go. she's so nice. <laughs> and, and it was a teaching moment that that, that was, you, you can't clean up your mess. You, there are not enough napkins in the world. You're just going to push, push around all the, the stupidness that you've knocked over. God gives you a new place to sit, a new chair at the table. That's yeah. what forgiveness is. Amen. That's awesome. Awesome. That's great. So we have to begin hey, there. Somebody needs to talk about that. Yeah. I say somebody needs to talk about that Sunday morning when they preach. You need to bring that up. You can't talk about that enough. You, when you when you give your invitation or you're giving the wrap up to your sermon, you you can't talk about forgiveness and what Christ does for you enough. I don't think sometimes we we do talk about it enough. I don't think we preach about it enough. Yeah. So use one of those two illustrations and you've got some people that need to need to realize that in their lives. Well, in the end of that, I mean, there's some sadness about needing to be forgiven. But what does he say? Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. And that word rejoice is literally let those bones dance. Um, and, and when you have broken bones yeah. that have finally healed enough to dance, that's what, that's the forgiveness that God is talking about. So part of our journey in, in restoration is to understand that forgiveness has a price, but God has already paid it and that we can enjoy that before yep. we preach it. We have to enjoy it, right? We have to, we have to realize Man, that. Isn't that true? So the second thing is, and you know what? Sorry, you, go ahead. Well, if you aren't in, if, if you aren't enjoying it, that'll come through in your preaching. Yeah. If you are enjoying it, That's right. that will come through in your preaching. Mm -hmm. If you have been to the fountain of repentance and you have, you have really just, just, just enjoyed being there and, you come to the pulpit and you are fully aware that you have been cleansed and, and by the grace of God, out of this overflow of joy from your cleansing, you, you can have joy in your preaching 
Or you can, as I've seen so many guys do, you can just feel so beaten up and downtrodden mm-hmm. and I'm not worthy and I make so many mistakes and man, of course you do, but go to repentance and let, and, and, and like I say, set at a new table, get a brand new whiteboard and, 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 and stand up there on Sunday morning and preach out of that beautiful overflow that mm. man, God has cleansed me and, you know, put a new robe, you know, like for the prodigal, you know, bring out the best robe in the house and put <laughs> it on it. Well, who had the best robe in the house? It was the father's robe, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. you know, so man, bring that into your preaching every Sunday morning. I mean, some way or another. And okay, we talk I'm, about this being the beginning of revival, but this isn't just the beginning of revival. This is the beginning of new life, right? That you have, if you really understand exactly. that God has forgiven you, but not only does he forgive you. So the forgiveness usually comes from some brokenness in the past. And very often the reason we struggle with that is because that brokenness, even if we know God forgives us, like I pre, I was preaching in a prison uh, a couple weeks ago and, and I made the statement. I'm like, y'all are forgiven. It does not erase the consequence of why you're here. If, if you've, ex- if you've accepted right, Christ right. and he's forgiven you, you're forgiven, but there are consequences and that's going to take some time to repair. But that is the good news. The second thing is he forgives, but he also promises to repair. Verse 10 created me a clean heart. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, I don't know about you. Do you sing that song in your head? That old praise and worship created oh, me. Absolutely. A clean- Every time I hear that, <laughs> I, I, that's, that's all and I can do. You know, do. there's something really, there's something really something really good about singing scripture Amen. by the way i mean sing it and I pray mean, it there are a lot of songs like that right there are a lot of songs in the 70s and 80s that were scripture songs that are very much in my mind and that's one of them for sure absolutely rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice yeah and, and you absolutely. got to stand up and clap when you do that too yeah <laughs> <laughs> and deep and deep and wide oh no, yeah maybe that, not that way. no 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 man i got the actions deep, deep and, wide. and wide yeah okay but that and, that, then, and then you leave a word out did, did you oh, ever do that yeah, song and leave the, a word mm, and yeah. mm. and wide <laughs> mm, and wide. <laughs> now, i did forget about that but that was real yeah, that's yeah real. i think we'll do that sunday morning at linwood we'll leave a word out i, I need you to mm, record that I, oh. I I just I I'm just so loopy right now. I've traveled so much. I don't even know what I'm saying. Well, All let right. me get you back on track. Um, where it says, "Created me a clean heart." I think probably the best part of this Bible study for me in this passage. It's such a familiar passage. We've sung it. We know it. But let me give you. Let me just drop a truth bomb on you here, real quick. When it says, "Create in me a clean heart," it is the same word as in Genesis one one. In the beginning, God created. And so going back to the forgiveness, the new table, the new whiteboard, here's what it says. Not only does he forgive you for what you broke, he literally, ex nihilo, out of nothing, creates in the same way that he created the heavens and the earth, he creates a new heart in you. And I find that to be absolutely the best promise in this passage. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Because we need a new heart. Amen, amen. We really do. And And again, I I know I'm saying it every time we say one of these phrases, but you know, if you have 10 people this Sunday morning in your rural church or 20 people, man, you got the greatest joyful message in the world. There isn't a single person out there that doesn't need to know that they have that in Christ, they can be forgiven. They can have a new heart. They can have a new whiteboard. They can set at a new table. I mean, I mean, we sometimes, Andy, in a rural church, we spend so much time focusing on what we don't have. Mm. You know, I don't have the time to, to create great sermons. I don't have a great music. I don't have a great building. I don't have a great children's ministry. 
And you got a great message. I mean, focus <laughs> on that. Nothing can nothing can take that away. You have the you for- got that message. None of the other stuff really matters that much. You have the forgiveness of sins. You have the newness of life that He can put in you. These are promises. And then the last part of this is what that He will repair uh, when He's repairing. That He's going to renew your spirit. The word renew is hadas, and it means literally to renew or repair. And I love this because it's like have you have you ever sat in a house in the middle of summer when the air conditioner didn't work, and then the guy comes by from the HVAC and he fills it up and they turn that on. And when that, that first breeze hits you, you're like, Oh, that is right. That is so great. Yeah. And and that is the repairing of the spirit, the fresh wind of that spirit as it hits you. Mm. And the problem is I believe, and I'm going to try a line out on you and see if you see if this fits Mark. The problem is most people theologically believe that God forgives and God heals, that God will restore but they think too much of their sin and too little of their God. And, and because of that, that so they just true. live in a bad place. That is so true. That is so true. That is true in my life. Mm. Um, today, I was, I was driving in Kansas City going to someplace. And, you know, I've lived in and around Kansas City off and on my whole life. I mean, some years in Atlanta, some years in Canada, some years in Kansas. But this has basically been my home base. So, so I've driven down this stretch of 435 out here in Kansas City thousands of times. But for some reason today, as I was driving down this stretch of 435, a memory came to me about this particular exit. And way back 40 years ago, hmm. some bad decisions I made. And it was like, man, and, I, and this actually came into my mind. It was like, you know, what? why would God use me? Hmm. I've made so many bad decisions. And then I thought, well, that I thought about that bad decision. Then I thought about another one. I thought about another one and I'm sitting there in my car and, and Satan is just bringing all these old past things up to me. Right. And saying, you know, you, you really, really not all that. And you, 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 you've made so many mistakes. And I mean, he still does that. Satan still brings those things up. And, and that will rob your joy. It'll, it'll take everything. You, and you just have to remind him and you have to preach to yourself and say, no, man, I've, I've repented of those. That's right. I mean, those are long gone. God doesn't remember them. Amen. I, I got to move way beyond that. But I'm telling you, if he still attacks people like you and me, then you know he's attacking the members we have in our churches constantly. And that's why they don't volunteer. That's why they don't make commitments to read their Bible every day. That's because they think, well, I've tried that in the past and I failed and I don't want to try and fail mm-hmm. again. I, I mean, Satan just, man, he uses that. And you know, one of the greatest things about heaven, there's going to be so many great things about heaven. <laughs> one of the greatest things about heaven, we're never, ever going to have those thoughts again. Never. Hallelujah. I'm never going to remember anything. And I mean, it's just, I'm not going to be bothered by any of that That's ever so again. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just going to be great. All right. Well, no, that's it. And it boils down to the fact that if the devil can get you to think too much of your sin, too little of God, then you can stay stuck in that, 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 circle of of pity and and unrepentant suffering that you just don't need to be there anymore right so a couple a couple of thoughts as we finish this up two more things uh first of all he will forgive he will repair but do you know what the benefit of all this is what what is the purpose it's verse 11 cast me not away from your presence and take not your holy spirit from me once god forgives and once he repairs he will be there he will forgive he will repair and he will be there. It's the the issue of presence. It says, cast me not away from your presence. The word presence in Hebrew means face. In other words, God, keep looking at me. 
God, let, let me be in your presence. Let me see you face to face. There's nothing more irritating. I know you've been to conferences before where they're big name speakers. And one of the reasons you and I like to do conferences with a lot less guys is because we can spend more time uh, with people. But don't you hate it when you're looking at somebody and you're having a conversation with them and they're just looking over your shoulder there? looking, seeing who they need to talk to next, who's moving around in the room. This verse says, once God heals and once God restores you, that he is in your face. He casts me not away from your presence and and renew that spirit inside of me. And what a gift. We we all know God will be with you and have a devotion. He is literally making you a promise. He restores you. he, He renews you. He repairs you. He forgives you because he wants to be with you. And, and that is the overflow out of which we have to do rural ministry. There is no doubt. Oh, totally, totally. And and again, I, just to reiterate what we keep saying here all the time, quit focusing on what you don't have in rural ministry and mm. focus on what you do have. And it's what, listen, it's what every community needs. Every community needs to have this amazing truth that we can be forgiven and restored and we can have this incredible relationship with the creator that we were created to have. And I know some of you are in some really hopeless communities, some really difficult places, and you've got the most amazing message of hope. But here's the deal, Andy, and this is what you're talking about. If you as a pastor, if you don't experience that in your own personal life, you're not going to be able to share that in a way with other people. You're Mm. not going to be able to lead out in that. And so it begins with you and I having this kind of of experience that we're seeing in, in the psalm. And as we come through that, then we're able to share it with others and, and man, Every revitalized church has a revitalized pastor. I promise you. Yeah. You know, the, the reality is this, that we think of peace. We want peace in our marriage, peace in our church, peace in our community, peace financially. And we, we think of peace as a destination. Like we got to buy a ticket and get to peace. But that is not what this is saying. His presence with you, his spirit in you, that the peace of God is not a destination. It is a partner on the journey, no matter where that is. And that's what we need in rural ministry, which finally leads. Sorry, go ahead, Mark. You're going to say something. No, I said totally. I just agreed totally. The last thing then on this is out of verse 12. And finally, all this. So we we see God, what he will forgive. He will repair. He will be there. And then finally, oh, I love this. He will give it all back. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And when I say give it all back, I'm not a health and wealth preacher. You're going to get a new car. You're going to get, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that he will restore to you the joy of your salvation. And I know we all have these stories, but um, here's the reality. Nothing is ever truly lost so long as God still has it. And I remember that when I think about the fact, I've been, I've been living a saved, blessed life for 30 plus years, but there's something about those first couple of ignorant years that were blissful, weren't they? When you just trusted the Lord, you only knew about six verses, but you were just excited about that. Uh, Ephesians, the church was told, go back to your first love. Here's the issue. We know more and we're carrying a different weight and it's a different season, but it's the same God, uh, that, that will restore the joy of your salvation, not the knowledge of it, not the experience in it. Those, those are great, but the joy of your salvation. And I long for and live for the simple times in which I didn't know nothing except he was a good God to me. I'm going to be honest with you. There are times you're not going to have much joy in your ministry. Hmm. You're going to deal with people. People are a mess. Um, you hang out with sheep. You're going to smell like sheep. Um, you're, you're not going to have much joy in your ministry at times. It's going to be very, very draining. 
and very disappointing because people disappoint. You may not have joy in your health. I mean, you may go to the doctor and he says, you know, you got type two diabetes, you've got arthritis, you're going to have, maybe you got macular degeneration, you're going to lose your mm. eyesight. I mean, you may not have joy in your finances. You may think, you know, I've been doing this work for 40 years and I'm not going to have enough money to retire. I mean, I, those are, brother, you can wake up every day and you can have joy in your salvation. Amen. Amen. And that's the only eternal thing. And if you've got joy in your salvation, these other things will be added unto you. You'll have that priority of knowing that what really matters can't be taken away from me. So the joy good. and the peace that he gives me, the world didn't give me, and the world can't take it away. All of us are going to lose our health. All of us are going to lose our money. All of us are going to lose loved ones. All of our children are going to move away. All of our parents, if we live long enough, are going to pass away without us. I mean, we're, we're going to lose all of those things. People right. in the church are always going to disappoint you. But the joy of your salvation can be there every day. This amazing joy. And so good. you and I have seen men who who have all of this joy in the midst of heartache and sorrow, but yet within them they they still have this this wonderful sense of joy. Mm. And you're drawn to that. Yeah. And I, I just it's where it all begins. And, and you know, I agree. When I remember I was in high school and uh maybe junior high, probably, and I got my first, are you ready? This'll this'll go viral. I got my first living Bible. Ooh, the <laughs> paraphrase. That was back. That was back when they were so popular in the sure. Jesus movement. Yeah, yeah. And I actually had a sticker on it that said, "You know, trucking for Jesus." You know, I had the guy walking with the big shoes. Right? Uh, and I had a, I had a belt, I had a belt buckle that had that on it too. And uh, that was all. You know, I was only about thirteen or fourteen, but I was really excited about the Jesus movement. Mm. And I remember I'd been in church all of my life, but opening up that living Bible. I, I, in, in, I would write those verses down on a piece of paper and I would put them on my wall in my bedroom. And mm. I tried to memorize a verse every day and I would take it to school with me and I would try to memorize. And to this day, I have many verses from the living Bible uh, that I've memorized, yep. you know, Philippians four, uh, don't worry about anything. Instead, be, don't be, be, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Mm -hmm. Tell God your needs. Don't forget to thank him for his answers. That's the living Bible. I love it. So don't worry about anything. Instead, love pray it. about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. You're right. I'm, I'm in my 60s. I travel all the time. I preach all the time. I'm working at two different churches. I probably don't have that sense of wonder and joy maybe that I had when I first opened that living Bible. And I first really began, I was converted like many of you listening to me, I was converted as a very young child, mm. six, seven years old and baptized. But when I got to be 12 or 13, the more I learned about myself and the more I learned about God, there was sort of a reawakening to all that, that, that salvation really was. And I remember awakening to that. And that's, that's what I'm talking about here. We should never lose that wonder. We should never lose that, that, that joy. And then to pray that every day we could we could be excited about it. I love the way you you brought that back to what it was like in those first two or three years of conversion, mm. and how after a while we can we can become like it just becomes not something fresh and new, and that's what the adversary would like mm. us to have. And I think and I still the, have a copy of the living living Bible by the way. You, do you have your original copy with the sticker though? That's what. No, we I know. wish I wish I did, but I, I was in a I was in a used bookstore the other day or several months ago. And I actually found a, a new old stock living Bible. Uh, never, it was still in the box yeah. from the 1970s. So I bought it. Yeah, you, you know, have to. And I freaked out my pastors at, at, at Linwood one time. I took it to the pulpit. So I thought, 
<laughs> and I actually read from it. It's a paraphrase, right? That's right. right. It's, it's just a tool. It's a tool. Day. That's right. It's a tool. Well, yeah, the, right. the thing to remember on this is that remember, if we think something's lost, nothing is ever truly lost if God still has it. We just have to remember that. And God has the joy of your salvation. In the middle of all this, we stay there. So how do we do this? Let's, let's wrap it up. What is the practice of restoration? Four statements. You need to experience forgiveness to offer amends and practice the presence while you wait for God. So the first thing you have to do is you have to experience forgiveness. You have to allow yourself to fall into those arms and understand that uh, that Christ has already taken the beating and you need to quit beating yourself up and just experience the forgiveness that he offers so that you can then make amends. I find that our own forgiveness is muted when we refuse to forgive others, which I think is what Jesus was talking about when he said forgive others. I think, I think that's I think that's in the in the in the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why that's there. Says so we forgive those. We forgive. We we, uh, we we experience forgiveness as we make amends, and then we practice the presence, the presence of God, getting in His face because He wants to be in our face as we wait for God to elevate us. But it all begins at the beginning of what we talk about here. We have to experience that forgiveness. So there we go. So we're well on the road to this Entirely. personal renewal, mm-hmm. right? I would. Tell you what, a personal renewal, I don't care the size of your church, the size of your community, it doesn't matter. If you are a pastor who has this incredible personal renewal with the Lord, if you wake up every day and you know his mercy is new on you, if you mm. went to sleep saved and you woke up saved because he, you know he kept you all night, uh, and, and you know he's made a clean, brand new heart in you, and preach out of that overflow. I mean, preach out of the overflow. And uh, you have to work at that because Satan's always going to be trying to, to rob our joy and rob us of those things. But we've just described, described to you some amazing ways you can battle Satan in that and you can live a joyful life regardless of what's going on around you. Amen. And again, a revitalized church has a revitalized pastor and a joyful church has a joyful pastor. And that joy is not fake. It's not phony. It's not something you, you, you create in your own imagination and willpower. It comes directly from what Andy has been sharing with us about how God is the one who forgives and cleanses so that we can do the one thing we were created for, which was to enjoy him forever. The greatest gift God ever gave us was himself, and we can enjoy him forever. You know, I I remember my dad was always busy as a pastor, always busy. It's another topic for another day we might talk about sometime. Yeah. But there were a few occasions when he would have a little bit of time. And I can remember we would maybe sit around as a family. And, and I know not everybody has these memories of their dad. I fully understand that. For some people, the memory of a father is a very negative thing. For some people, it's an absent thing. Um, but for me, I had this wonderful experience. But he was always busy. I will say that and, mm. and gone quite a bit. But uh, there would be occasions when... I could, I could tell that we were going to have a good evening at home. My dad would make popcorn over the stove <laughs> and my mother would get out the sorry board game. Oh, yeah. And I was just so excited because we would sit at the kitchen table and my dad, who was always very serious about ministry and caring for people, we would play sorry and we would eat popcorn and he loved popcorn. And he and my mom would play sorry with us. And, you know, if you know the game, you know, you, you, you get on somebody's spot and you move them over and you say, sorry. And my dad would just laugh, and and I remember just wanting to be in his presence when he laughed. Mm. I just nothing in my life was sweeter than to be with my dad when all he was doing was having a good time. Right? Mm. That is a 
fraction of what it's like to be in God's presence. I mean, it's the joy in his, as we want to crawl up on our dad's lap when he's having a good time, I mean, God is completely contented himself. And he says, the best gift I can give you is to come and enjoy my joy with me. And, and we turn our back on that when we don't want to repent of our sin and we don't, man, God wants to you to enjoy him in those moments that you've enjoyed your dad only infinitely greater. And that can be done because of what Christ has done and is doing and will do uh, in your life. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Clear your calendars, make some space, get on your knees, do whatever you got to do to get in the word, enjoy his presence. Let that forgiveness wash over you so that as Mark keeps saying, preach out of that overflow. Let, let that become the source of your ministry. What an incredible, incredible resource we have in God's word, guiding us back to a place where he can restore the joy of our salvation. Next week, we continue on only a couple more in our personal renewal series, but we're going to talk about what it is to rely on him. We started with reliance, but we're going to talk about the activity of relying, and uh, you don't want to miss it. We're going to be in verses 13 through 15 of Psalm 51. We continue the journey. We are so blessed to be on this road with you, and we are thankful that you're taking a part. Rural Pastor, we love you, we miss you, and we believe in you. Bye-bye. Like the prophet Jeremiah you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope to that church on the corner of that forgotten little town to a room of empty pews where his love can still be found you may never know of all seeds you sown but it just takes one willing soul to make him known. Thank you so much for joining us at the RuralPastorPodcast.com. A special thanks to Chosen Road for this incredible theme music, to 180 Digital, our corporate sponsor, and you can check out both of them at our website as well as other resources because you're not alone. And Rural Pastor, we believe in you at the RuralPastorPodcast.com.